sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome in. This is Diamond Bets. My name is Matt. His name is Joe. This is a show not only about baseball, but just about your love of it and how to pull money out of it. If you're a season-long fantasy player, we've got you ready. We know you love the game. DFS starting to come around. A lot of people are winning money that way. Welcome in. But what about the people that are just betting on baseball, the casual fan just walking by, and they see the Yankees and Aaron Judge, they say, ooh, I want to try to win some money. That's who we're talking to here in this hour. Joe is Joe Pizapia. He's the one and only. So I'm going to turn it over to him because I want to hear his thoughts. What's going on, my man? It's me. It's me. It's Joe EP. You like that? There you go. That's for you, Matt Stryker. That's for you. Uh, yes, an hour two, we're going to uh, – come on, man. You, you love the bad guy here. Uh, in hour two, we're going to look at some National League win totals. We did the American League in the first half there. We've got some fun matchups ahead we're going to examine from the wagering standpoint. We've got more important questions to ask, but first we've got some more headlines from Major League Baseball. So let's kick things off here. Jacob deGrom set to make his first start of 2022 Tuesday. Light a candle in church. Cross all your fingers and toes, folks. Hopefully this actually happens. That would be great. The Mets were also busy on the uh, trade wins as well, acquiring Daniel Vogelbach from Pittsburgh. Uh, so we'll see if he can help the Mets offense, which is anemic right now. I don't know if he's the answer. I think some guy named Juan Soto is. More to that uh, as the hour goes on. The Yankees across town lost Michael King with a fractured elbow, he's out for the season. Also yesterday, not seen here. Uh, Max Meyer left the game with elbow discomfort for the Marlins. Yeah. So that's probably no bueno for the rest of his season. Just saying, uh, Tommy John probably around the corner. I know I sound like a miserable person when I say that, but I'm just living in the reality of pitching injuries. Detroit uh, did the right thing. They sent down Spencer Torkelson, and this is a move that happened before the break. It's a move I talked about on my show on Fantasy Pros. We do a daily show called Leading Off for Baseball Every Day at noon Eastern. And we talked about, look, the best thing for Spencer Torkelson is to go down for the month of July, get his headspace right, start hitting baseballs again, take the pressure off, and then come back up sometime in August. Hopefully that's what's going to happen. So keep a close eye on Torkelson here. Great buy low opportunity for fantasy dynasty people too on Torkelson. Still a very good player. Still a lot of upside. This is your window to buy low and either he will rebound and become a really good player like he's supposed to be, or he'll end up like Jared Kelnick just as quad a forever. Also, we have the major league baseball draft. It was a busy week for very little games. Uh, the Orioles selected son of Matt holiday and little Debbie spokesperson, Jackson Holiday with the first overall pick. I don't know if you've seen Jackson Holiday, but he has a little resemblance to the little Debbie girl. You say he does. <laughs> for better or worse, it's okay. It's just it's fun. It's fun. And uh Drew Jones, who I thought was the best player in this draft by far, went number two to Arizona. He's already signed, Holiday already signed. So fun things here from the young perspective of baseball. Drew Jones, son of Andrew Jones, is going to be an absolute star, uh, I think, in Major League Baseball. This is the dude. I think Jackson Holiday is going to be a nice player, too. Uh, the Mets got Kevin Parada, who slipped all the way down to them at 11, too. So the uh, the draft had some interesting movement in there in terms of signability, but always a fun moment there, turning Major League Baseball over. You know, you have the Futures game. You have the, the MLB draft. You have 
the home run derby, then the all-star game. It's become a really fun week of what's going on. And speaking of which, we're going to follow things up here today, this afternoon, Gil Hodges finally goes in the hall of fame along with David Ortiz. So Matt, a lot going on here. It's nice to see big poppy going into the hall of fame, but where's Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens? Why aren't they in there yet? I mean, let's come on, come on, Matt. Welcome into our radio audience. This mm -hmm. is Diamond Bets. You picked a great time to come on in. That's Joe mm -hmm. Pizzapia ranting about the presence of players like Clemens or Bonds, perhaps in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Diamond Bets, a show about pulling your money and finding it in your love of baseball. And you mentioned something, Joe. You're the angry man, angry at the mm -hmm. well-coiffed and well-maned youth, the kids <laughs> that were drafted. For those on the radio, Joe is a... Uh, He's a bald man. He's bald. He's bald. He's bald. I own this. Yes. I look, I'm yes, the Paul Rudd of this network. I never the change. I, 10 years ago, <laughs> I looked the same. 10 years from now, I'm going to look the same. The rest of you guys all get old and gray. Not me. Not me. <laughs> well, uh, one of the points that Joe was making about Jacob deGrom set to knock wood, make his first star of the season later on in the week, and the Mets acquiring a bat in Vogelback, and the it's an intriguing uh, get for the Mets to try to bolster their lineup. They probably are not done, but the big news for me is Michael King going down. Now, what are the Yankees going to do? Just mm -hmm. got Herman back, trying to sort out the bullpen. King has been really good. I think Loisica is going to have to fill that spot. But overall, uh, there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of ways that we can uh, win some money here. So uh, I'm excited to hear what you have to say for the rest of the hour, Joe. <laughs> for the rest of the hour, I got to talk all by myself. Is that what you're trying to say? You want to stay out of this? <laughs> Across the rest. Is that what I'm getting from you here? Uh, but no, you're right. No, uh, you, this is going to force the Yankees' hand in one of these trades to acquire some more pitching. Uh, some help in the bullpen, too, now, not just starting pitching uh, yeah. with the Severino injury, now the King injury. This is the thing I always say, you know, like just because the Yankees are the public team, the Dodgers are the public team start thinking about short series stop thinking about how good they are in the regular season that means bupkis until you get to the playoffs and then the short series means everything can you create runs can you throw out great starting pitching and do you have a good bullpen the yankees right now a little shaky at the back end of that rotation and shaky in the bullpen by the way matt speaking of little debbie snack yes. cakes uh are you an oatmeal pie guy are you a swiss roll yes. guy like where, where do you land on that yes both fine oh, boston cream rolls are very good as well with a jug of milk yeah, I, I, Little Debbie's underrated, man. I'll tell you, like Little Debbie oh, snack cakes. So good. That's wow. where it's at. Sometimes the hostess overrated. Little Debbie. All right, we come back. We're going to have a snack and we'll talk about some moving lines. We return right here on Diamond Beds. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back into Diamond Bets. This is the show you need if you want to pull some money out of your love or even your like of baseball. My name is Matt. His name is Joe. And during the break, we were talking about that feeling, for those of us that are old enough to remember, uh, of, of the early baseball memories. For Joe, it may have been coming home from vacation, turning on the TV and seeing Bo Jackson hit a great home run in an all-star game. Or for me, coming home for afternoon playoff baseball. How cool was it that there was baseball on at 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon and you rushed home? 
Uh, as we move to our next segment, which is between the lines, we're going to look at three teams that have postseason aspirations, and the playoff picture is wide open now with the addition of another team. So it's important to look at win totals. So let's do that, Joe Pizzapia, with that that memory and that joy of being a kid just busting through that screen door, getting yelled at on the way through to take your shoes yeah. off and don't break the damn door as you go to turn on the TV. You know, screen doors were a big thing where we grew up too in Queens and Brooklyn. So Maddie was in Queens, I was in Brooklyn. Everybody had a screen door, and all of them probably had some sort of ripper tearing them from some kid. Uh, sure, they whipped stupid. back at you with like Ted Williams esque torque, right? Bang! It was never, it never closed <laughs> gently. It was either way too hard or it didn't close at all. And that that was gonna say, oh, <laughs> I took the words out of my mouth. Or I was gonna say they didn't close at all, and you had to like. If they hit the thing and you have to like pull them uh, shut because they hinge uh, them work. That's uh, a whole thing. But anyway, <laughs> let's get back to basics, which is why you watch us all season long is because we were on this from the beginning. The San Diego Padres were a team we were on in the beginning. We talked about this is a team built for the regular season and the postseason. What Matt was talking about. Some teams are built differently. This is a team that could be potentially built for both. And I think that's what makes the Padres so dangerous. They just went to New York and they beat Scherzer and Bassett on back-to-back days. And they and that's when you have, when you can throw a Hugh Darvish out there and a Joe Musgrove out there and these kind of guys, you have that ability. Uh, it'd be nice if the Mets offense scored any runs, but I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter at all. Uh, the Padres number is 89 and a half. That's what we have at the betting pros consensus line right now, where you can bet this, this is generally speaking where it is, 89 and a half. The over, minus 110. The under, minus 115. Uh, I thought this was a 90-win team coming into the season. I'm going to stand by that. Right now, currently, the Padres are a 54-win team. They are 12 games over 500. That's quite a pace. And what's even more incredible, Matt, is they've done this without Fernando Tatis Jr. And Fernando Tatis Jr., excuse me, is, is an electric talent in Major League Baseball, one of the top 10 players in Major League Baseball when he is on and when he is healthy. Now, I don't know what version we're going to get of him, when we're going to get him. But regardless, I don't think it matters for this win total. I think it matters as they get into the playoffs because I think offensively, they also are lacking. I could see the Padres being aggressive at the trade deadline. They have been rumored in the Juan Soto sweepstakes. Uh, They have the pieces to get it done. They have the impetus to get it done. But it would be a short-term window. He is not going to sign a long-term deal in San Diego. I can tell you that that is not happening. He is not going to sign there. He is going to sign in one of the bigger market cities. So it would be a two-year rental. But look, that's a good, that's a good long while, two and a half years. So the Padres, 89 and a half. I'm going over at the minus 110 on this. Uh, I'm looking around to, you know that the Diamondbacks are a beatable team. You know that the, the Rockies have not played good baseball. You know, look at the rest of this division. Yeah, the Giants are always competitive. The Dodgers are the Dodgers. But I think... As you look at the schedule here for the Padres, they continue to win home games. I mean, excuse me, win road games uh, like they have already so far coming out of the break against teams like the Mets. That's a really good sign for a healthy team that's going to win over 90 games. So I think this is an easy one for me, but maybe it's not so easy for you. Do you think the Padres at 89 and a half are an over or an under? I think it's the perfect number. I really do. You know, really oh, well okay. done by the folks over at Betting Pros because of the consensus, it, it does give you perspective. I also think that this is a 90-win team as well, and uh, I think it comes down to pitching and it comes down to the road wins, and those are things that are going to separate good teams from okay teams. So I'll take the over on this one. Although, if you see the way this number is is so right and so good, I don't see it being any more than I'd say maybe 92 and I kind of, you know, do a funny little ooh there because of how yeah, that far about over right. this number is it. But over is over, right? At the mm-hmm. end of the day, over is over. And uh, they could also be making moves as well. You know, look, 
Detroit is the secret sauce here. What do you mean, Matt? Detroit has Fulmer, Soto, Chafin. That bullpen is where people are going to go shopping. I'm not so mm. certain that Baltimore is going to be selling their pieces from the bullpen. But if you look at some of the statistics, they might not have the whole name value. Baltimore and Detroit, I mean, those bullpens have been at least sustainable with certain. Yeah, Soto's been great. So there you go. I don't know if Detroit will deal Soto, but Soto's been great. And Rodgers was shaky last night. He almost gave up the game last night, too. I would not be shocked. The Phillies number is 86 and a half, Matt. The over is minus 110. The under is 115. Now, we talked a lot about the Phillies. About yeah. them missing the playoffs, but this is not about them missing the playoffs. This is about whether or not we think they are <clears throat> this far over 500. Now they are four games over 500 right now. If they maintain that pace, <clears throat> they're going to still be under this number. We talked about the schedule. Yeah, they got some games against the Pirates and the Nats, but they got a lot of games against the Mets and the Braves as well. <clears throat> I think this is an under at the minus 115. That's where I land on this. But Matt, how about you? Yeah, sadly, I'm with you, and you can hear the the depression in my voice more so than normal. Uh, minus 115 is, is just the right number. I think if it gets any higher, then there's a threshold there. But it's sad. This is a depressing play for me, but I'm with you. <laughs> wow, I depressed Matt. I didn't expect Seriously. to do that this early in the morning. It's not even, even 9.30 in the, on the East Coast, and we're already depressing <laughs> Matt. All right, let's talk about the Brewers. Now, the Brewers are still the favorite to win their division. Vegas loves the Brewers. I love the Brewers, too, but... You know, I, I guess I, it doesn't matter at the end of the day because, you know, the uh, the pitching has just been that good and they're hopefully getting Freddie Peralta back soon. They are 52 and 43. That's a four a 547 winning percentage so far for the Milwaukee Brewers. Their number is 88 and a half. Um, the offense has been inconsistent. It certainly looked yeah. better last night, but that was against the Rockies. So I guess here's the big question here. Can the Brewers get to 89, 90 wins currently? If you look at the rest of this division, it is soft. So a lot of in-division games left to play. I think the over at the minus 110 is the way to go. The unders at minus 114. Uh, Matt, how do you see this Brewers number and the rest of the season shaking out to them? Do they start to take off a little bit as they get the other pieces in this rotation back and maybe the offense starts to come around a little bit more than we've seen? Or do you think this is a number that's a little bit more dangerous than people realize? I think there's a team that is going to influence the Brewers and it's the St. Louis Cardinals. The St. Louis Cardinals are right there nipping at the heels of the Milwaukee Brewers. The St. Louis Cardinals also have the easiest rest of season strength schedule, which means that the Brewers cannot afford to make any mistakes. How will that affect the Brewers from the neck up? How will this team respond to being pushed to the wall with no room for error? I believe that yes, they do need to get back some help with the arms as far as the starting rotation goes they might even add another arm they need a kid like ashby to really show what he can do but they also need a bat go out maybe it's trey mancini maybe it's someone like that but go out and add a bat that gives you some consistency and makes this lineup what it's supposed to be i think they're going to be pushed uh i do think that they can go over 88 and a half i'm not saying they're a 90 91 win team season but they're going to be pushed and that's going to be interesting to watch you know what's interesting? <clears throat> if you're looking around for the uh, at the Brewers' offense, nobody's hitting above 260. <clears throat> the entire team. Uh, that's it. <clears throat> that'd be everyone's hitting 250 or worse. And I know batting average is overrated, and people don't want to talk. Well, batting average doesn't mean much. Uh, well, I mean, look. At the end of the day, it, it means a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. Also, nobody has an OPS above 770. The highest guy is Willie Adamas at 770 himself he's got 20 bombs and he missed some time too and Adamas has been great Matt was a player we were very much on at the beginning of the year um it's good to see Renfro starting to hit the ball 
and get hot. <clears throat> I mean, you're looking still, you're, you're waiting for any Christian oh, yeah. Yelich sightings. I mean, again, <clears throat> not the same player he was a few years ago. So this is going to come down to Willie Adamas and Rowdy Telez and Hunter Renfro. And I don't know if that's enough offensively for them to make a run in the playoffs. So if I'm the Brewers, I'm looking for something else to add here. If it's a Trey Mancini, somebody like that, that they could plug in there. I keep coming back to him, <clears throat> maybe a Josh Bell. That's the kind of bat they need something yeah. else here, I think. And somebody like a Josh Bell who can hit for a higher average, a little bit more on base. I think that's crucial for this offense. So those are the National League teams you want to hit. When we come back, we're going to look ahead to the schedule. We're going to talk you through some of the pitching matchups that are out there, how we see some of them working out, and also some of the possibilities for you to wager on, whether it be overs, unders, K-props. We got it all. So stick around on Sports Grid for more Donnie Bits. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in. This is Diamond Bets. Matt and Joe with you here talking baseball, and this is a great point for you to get in on this show. Also, it's great to carry us with you anywhere you go, at SportsGrid and at SportsGrid TV. Those are the social media addresses. Find us, follow us, lock it in, because things are moving all the time. All right, so this is Diamond Bets, right? It's a show about pulling money out of your love of baseball, or even just your like of baseball. So what we do here is we look ahead. We look at some pivotal series. I picked Joe's mind. He's an author. He's an analyst. He's the guy you want to talk to. And we try to find out different things that come to our mind. So let's start it up. The Braves and the Phillies. We've been talking about the Phillies quite a bit on this show, and mm -hmm. it, it's appropriate. Now they have the Braves. How do you see this series? You'll get Max Fried. You'll get a little Kyle Gibson on the other mm -hmm. side at the end of the series for Philadelphia. Some Ranger Suarez here and there. Joe, walk us through the series, and uh, how can we play it? A little bit of Ranger Suarez, you know, the cooking show. Is this like the joy of cooking sure. with Matt Stryker? Is it? Yes, Peter Put a little Suarez in there, Suarez. maybe a touch of Kyle Gibson, and then yeah. you let it, you, you know, let it bake for 375 for 45 minutes, and then you see how it goes. Uh, the Phillies are at a crossroad, and if you harken back all the way to about five minutes ago, we were talking about the win total of 86 and a half. It's series like this that you look at and you go, they're completely outclassed here without Bryce Harper on top of the fact you're getting Max Freed in the first game, Spencer Strider in the second and Charlie Morton in the third one. And you're throwing out Suarez falter, which is a terrible name for a pitcher, by the way. And Kyle Gibson. I mean, this is none of these games even come close <laughs> to favoring. I mean, the Braves are gonna be such heavy favorites in these games. And I don't think it's wrong. I think you would still go the minus money. Um, I would be looking hardcore on the K prop over on Strider, no matter what it is, pretty much because that guy's been electric in terms of strikeout potential. Charlie Morton, I'd be looking for a bounce back. In DFS, I'd be loading up on all three of these guys. Max Reed might be, you know, the best of them in terms of cash game arms. Strider, you're always worried he's going to get through the fifth inning. But, you know, the Atlanta Braves are going to be so heavily favored in these games. And let me tell you, even though it's on the road, the lack of bullpen, the lack of starting pitching that you feel good about here, this is why I, I have a hard time seeing the Phillies making the playoffs at the end of the day. They don't stack up against the Mets pitching. They don't stack up against the Braves pitching. And then you got to make sure you handle your business against those lesser teams when you're playing, you know, the Nationals perhaps. But when you're playing the Marlins, the Marlins starting pitching is really good too. They don't score many runs, obviously. But still, this is a tough road ahead. 
I'd be looking for the K props. I'd be looking for uh, everything on the other side of this game. I'd be paying close attention to, to the total base props on Austin Riley, who's having one of the best seasons nobody's talking about at all, and they should be. I'd be looking at Acuna's total bases. I mean, probably going to be minus money on those guys. Something probably like a minus 120 on the one and a half total bases. I would take it anyway because I think they are just in great positions here. Uh, I'd even be looking at some home run props too, potentially on guys like Matt Olson in the smaller ballpark that's very friendly for home runs. So uh, this is the problem with the Phillies. This is why we're at a crossroads with them. And this is why I think they're a team that falls short of their win total potential and eventually falls short of the playoffs, unfortunately, no matter if Nick Cassiano starts to come around or not. But Matt, perhaps you see this series differently than I do. Looking ahead to the three-game series that begins on July 25th between the Atlanta Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies, I think the play here is going to pivot off of what I anticipate to be some heavily juiced Brave money lines and look to the run line. I know they're a road team, but I still think they're strong enough. Joe had mentioned the fact that Philadelphia's bullpen is a big question mark. Secondly, Joe, you touched on it again as well. I think home run props could be a play here depending on weather and park factor. This is one of those unique series where you try to go deeper into the game, try to look at player props. If the prices on the money lines for the favorites bother you and you don't want to go run line, especially with a road team, that's how I see this one breaking down. All right, let's move on. This one's going to be really, really good. A lot of fun. The Yankees are playing the Mets. Joe, what do you got? Well, look, we're still waiting to figure out who's going to be pitching for the Mets in this last game here. But uh, when you're looking at... Jordan Montgomery versus Taiwan Walker. Walker has been excellent lately. Uh, Montgomery's a little bit more pedestrian lately. And then, you know, Domingo Herman, we're waiting to see how he fared in that start. He looked really good in AAA. The first start was not great this week, right? Not great in that first game of the doubleheader. Yes, it was against the Houston Astros. So can we take away the greatest salt? Of course we can. It's the Houston Astros. They're a great team. And I still say the Astros are the team to be wagering on uh, in terms of getting to the World Series and winning the AL pennant. I've been on the Astros since the beginning. And the thing is so fascinating about that team is, Matt, they have an opportunity to move Lance McCullers coming back from injury into the bullpen and possibly Christian Javier into the bullpen. And when you do that, talk about shortening games. My goodness, you're looking at six inning games with pitchers who are already going six innings. That's tough. The Yankees are in a bind right here. Now, depending on who this second start is going to be for the Mets here, we'll determine that later. But I find it really hard to invest in Domingo Herman. Uh, Taiwan Walker has been excellent. So I think you can still invest in Taiwan Walker. I think this is a fascinating uh, measuring stick here for both teams. This is going to be in uh, City Field, though. Um, with this one, to me personally, you know, with the Mets offense, the way it's been lately, uh, that is going to be fascinating to see how the the actual run totals in these games shake up <clears throat> because this isn't Yankee Stadium. This isn't City Field. It's still on more of a neutral ballpark factor, Matt. But I think you're going to see some uh, some opportunity to make some money here because these games have what I like to call four outcome potential, or you could see it being a blowout on either side or a close game, or maybe it's a close high scoring game, <laughs> not a low scoring game. So there's lots of outcomes here. And to me, that makes it tough to invest in. If we have uh, the possibility of who that other starter is going to be when we get to the 27th, is it a Peterson uh, is it somebody else like that? We shall see. But Matt, when you're looking at the Yankees and Mets squaring off with each other, clearly this game doesn't have quite the buzz it used to back in the day, but I think a little bit more buzz now that this year, both of these teams are legitimate contenders for the World Series. Yeah, a little express ride on the Subway Series for <laughs> yeah. us here, a taste of, of what could very well be. 
a World Series. And when you think about these teams in a longer series, I think at the end of the day, you feel that the Mets need to lengthen their lineup. And that would be the only difference between these two teams because with the King injury for the Yankees, the bullpen, I believe, advantage goes to the Mets. It's just the fact that the lineup is a little longer and a little more powerful when it comes to the Yankees. But you made a good point about these multi-outcome games and these games that are hard to handicap. I know that it's the end of July moving into August, but I'm still going to stay away. I'm just going to watch because in the anticipation of a seven-game World Series, I'm having a much better focus in view. This is going to be fun. Uh, I think the first night numbers will tell us a lot about what we'll see on the second night. And then just as we're ready to get in, boom, the series is going to be done. So there you go. All right, let's <laughs> move right. on here from a, a short series. We go to a nice long one. And I think uh, mm-hmm. betters really like these kind of four-game series. Is, is, is. And it's Seattle against Houston. And you mentioned how Houston has an embarrassment of riches. Seattle has shown that they're streaky, but can they do it against a good team? Because if it's not going to be the Yankees coming out of the AL, you have to believe it's going to be Houston. You've talked up that Houston could be the dog Mm -hmm. in this case here because the Yankees are going to be the public. Seattle and Houston, break it down. Well, look, Jake Odorizzi's come back to the rotation and he's picked up right where he left off, which was actually in a good spot. After struggling mightily in April, he really started to figure things out before the injury. Now he's back. And ironically, Javier has looked a little bit more human. I think he's running out of gas a little bit which is something that's, you know, something to be expected when you're starting to climb up those innings totals. So uh, I think you could see Javier start to move into the bullpen very soon. McCullers had a rehab start again this past week. So he's starting to look like he might be an option too to come back. Uh, that makes the, the Astros incredibly dangerous. It really does. And they've got, and they play good defense. They hit home runs. They create runs. They do it all. And whether you hate them or love them, you got to respect them. And I think that they're not getting enough respect in this market right now. And for Seattle, this is a team that, you know, 14-game win streak, everything's going great, and then they come back from the break, and boom, they get punched in the mouth by a real team. And this is this is the standard now. So the American League, you know, bully right now, the Astros saying, hey, <clears throat> this is the team in the West, just so we can remind you right now. And Logan Gilbert's a very good pitcher. Uh, that's going to be a tough matchup against your Quiddy in that first one. You got Robbie Ray and Verlander. This is a fun matchup. I'd be on the K-prop on both sides of these pitchers here, too. Robbie Ray's been excellent over the last six weeks. Uh, Verlander, you know, another win, leading the league in wins. The guy's been absolutely tremendous. But then it's the war of attrition, right? Flexing against Framber Valdez. Of course, we're going to be favorites on Framber Valdez side of this game. Houston's going to be a big one. I'd be looking for home run props individually in that ballpark too against Chris Flexen specifically because Flexen is a fly ball pitcher, gives up a lot of home runs. That's a bad combination in that ballpark in Houston. So I would be all over the home run props too on individual guys like Alvarez, Bregman, who's starting to pick things up here. Bregman, don't let the, the stats fool you and the line fool you. The deeper stats on Bregman are all really good. So it's only a matter of time before those things start to turn around the second half. Altuve's had a great season. And then that last game, you got Kirby against Odorizzi. And you have to start to wonder, okay, where are we at with Kirby's innings totals? Is that going to start to show itself here in the second half? So the Mariners have done a great job here, staying competitive, being competitive. They've had a great run, but this is the litmus test. And unfortunately, I just don't think they stack up. And, you know, we'll keep a close eye on the wrist of Julio Rodriguez as well, because that's certainly something they can't afford to lose. Uh, but to me, it's hard not to look at all four of these games being Houston favorites. And especially in that third game, looking at some opportunities for some total bases on those Houston Astro hitters and even some home run props. What do you look at when you look at this series potentially, Matt? 
Well, I'm hopeful that Seattle's recent success will bring down some of the minus money on what I anticipate Houston to have on the money line for all four games. And by the time we get to that Kirby Odorizzi game, the numbers will shake out according to what we've seen. And Kirby's been back and forth, Tacoma to the big leagues, Tacoma to the big leagues. I like this kid. I think he's got good stuff. So, But I'll wait and see how the rest of the games play out. Yeah, man, the Ray Verlander play is the way to go. I mean, that's going to be fun. I'm curious to see what mm-hmm. the total is going to be set out there. Also, beyond the total, how about the uh, total outs prop? Both guys are going to have to stand on the mound for at least a few innings because they're aces, right? You want them out mm-hmm. there for that long. That's going to be fun, Joe. Yep, definitely some big series to look forward to next week. And in the next segment, some big questions to look forward to. We're going to give you the answers right here on SportsGrid. Don't go anywhere. More Diamond Bets with Matt and Joe right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome in. This is Diamond Bets. My name is Matt. His name is Joe. Big shout out to everyone out there in Radio Land, especially our friends over at SiriusXM, Channel 159. Of course, tip of the cap to all the truckers out there. It's not lost on us what you do for us. Thank you so much for allowing us to eat, sleep, and above all, dream. All right, Joe, here we go. It's time for rounding the bases. Five burning questions. I ask you questions. You tell us the answers. You're the mind behind the Black Book series. Anyone can Google what that has done to change how people are winning money in sports. So you're the guy, man. Here we go. First question. Try not to take up all 14 minutes with your answer here because it's one everyone's asking. Which team is the best trade fit for Juan Soto? Well, this is a very loaded question, Matt. Um, I think the question we should be asking is, who's the best trade fit for the Washington Nationals? And it comes down to a couple different points. You can't move the Strasburg contract along with it. That's not happening. He's got $150 million, $130 million left on that deal. Still, that's not happening. No one's taking that contract. They're going to die with that contract. And the Nationals are looking to change ownership. So they're clearing the deck. If a team and a big market team, like a New York team or a Los Angeles team or a team of that ilk, is willing to take the Patrick Corbin deal back, which is about roughly 50, $60 million remaining on Patrick Corbin. That is going to cost you less prospects because they're trying to clear out space for new ownership to come in and kind of shape things in their own light. And that's the truth. That's the business of baseball. So that leaves us in a different spot. If you are taking on the Corbin contract or not. Now, if you're not, and you're just trading him for prospects, the Padres match up very well. They can give you C.J. Abrams. They can give you Mackenzie Gore and a couple other prospects, potentially. They're not going to take Corbin back. They don't have any room for him in the in the payroll. They don't have any room for him in the rotation. So that would be the best immediate haul prospects. But the problem is, I don't know if Soto wants to be there, and I don't know how that would all work out, potentially. I don't think long-term he's going to stay, and I don't think long-term they can commit to him because they've already committed enormous money to Fernando Tatis for the next 10 years and Manny Machado. So they can't afford him. It's a two-year plan if you're going to do that. I'm not saying it's not possible. Which brings us to the next logical piece of the team that can give you prospects and take Patrick Corbin back. And it's the Mets. The Mets have the biggest need for offense. They have the most prospects to give you in terms of high quality prospects, whether it be Alvarez, Beatty, Mauricio, any combination, and still take the Patrick Corbin contract 
and absolve it or absorb it and give Juan Soto the extension he wants for uh, $500 million. So he is going to break that ceiling. I'm pretty sure that's going to be what happens. And the argument people keep telling me is, well, you can't trade in the division. That's a bunch of nonsense. You know why? Because we have expanded playoffs. Take a look at the American League East right now. Okay. At one point, all three of those teams, right, in the American League East were the wild card teams. It doesn't matter. Divisions have been devalued over this last CBA agreement. Once you have expanded playoffs, winning division is nice. There's there's a theory behind you want to win the division. Okay. But it's about making the playoffs and generating revenue and getting in the dance. And now that that is part of the expanded playoff picture, it doesn't matter if you see Juan Soto in your division for the next decade. What matters is can you be a competitive baseball team and draw gate and create a space for new ownership to come in? So I know that's a lot to take in. So to me, it's really two teams. It's the Padres from sheer prospects and rental, or it's the Mets from the long-term perspective, despite the fact it's in the division, because it simply is not a factor anymore the way baseball is structured. So that's my rant. That's my monologue. I hope you enjoyed it. Please remember to tip your waitress. Matt Stryker, your thoughts on Juan Soto and where the best fit might be. <laughs> You're funny asking me to follow that. <laughs> uh, now you, you, make, you make the valid points, and, and people can speculate, and it's fun to play the game where we go, oh, wow, imagine him on Seattle. Oh, could you imagine with Pittsburgh? And they could build a yeah, – great, it's not going to happen. It's really just four teams, and you mentioned two of them already. I'm going to throw in the Dodgers and the Yankees as the other two as the teams that have the ability. Maybe the Cardinals from the outside looking in, but beyond that, this is just – it's hard to handicap, and it's hard to see how the league is going to shake out. What does it mean for the landscape of the league once Juan Soto is set somewhere, hopefully? Or it could be one of these guys that bounces around. I'd hate to see that. All right, here we go. Second question here. Uh, which player is primed for a big second half of the season? A lot of people are looking at Juan Soto as one of those guys. Uh, what says you? Uh, look, it would be nice if Nick Cassianos have a good second half. I, I mean, that would be, I think that's something we're anticipating, but the name I'm going to give you is one I just touched on, which is Alex Bregman. Uh, when you start to dig a little deeper into, you know, the BABIP numbers and some of the X batting average, some of these deeper stats that make people's heads hurt, Alex Bregman is playing better than his overall slash line. And I think it's something to understand that, you know, right out of the gate too, he had that home run that first day. I think Alex Bregman is is going to have a very nice second half. And again, that's very dangerous for the rest of the league. They have a soft schedule, the Astros, and they already are loaded. So if Bregman can get going and look like the Bregman of, you know, two years ago, my goodness, what a huge a lift to a, a team that's already very good in a lineup that's very good. I think Vlad is also a player who's poised to have a big second half too. I really think the Blue Jays are going to kind of take off like a rocket ship here. Um, they're still going to fall well short of the Yankees, of course, but Vlad uh, and Alex Bregman, those are two players that I think have underperformed by their standards and I think are looking for the back of the baseball card to kind of come to fruition, as we always like to say here on the show. But Matt, do you have any names in particular in your head that you think might be poised for big second halves? Yeah, I'm looking at guys like Andrew Benintendi. I'm looking at guys like Whit Merrifield. You mentioned Nick Castellanos. Uh, I'm wondering maybe if there's a pitcher out there that's really been showing stuff. I mean, Manoa's been the talk of the town. He's real pumped up and fired up. 
So there's a lot of names, but Castellanos is the guy that you would want to have the big second half of the season because it lends itself from a wagering perspective alone to just his sphere of influences or guys hitting ahead of him and behind him. It makes everyone else far more valuable. Um, I, I think those are the names, and I don't want to sit and say um too much longer because, you know, that's <laughs> All right, question number three. Uh, give me an over-under on RBIs for Pete Alonzo. Set it 159 and a half. How do you see it? I'm going to go the under on this one. Uh, you know, guys got to start getting on base for Pete Alonso uh, to drive in runs. Uh, that, that's the big problem here. Now, if they add a bat like Soto in this lineup, all of a sudden lengthens like that. Starling Marte has a really good second half. I mean, Lindor has been pretty good, you know, but that's a huge number. So I think it can get to like Where'd that, that number 125. <laughs> I don't know. I think it must be extrapolated. Is it 109 and a half? Can we have that conversation or 119 oh, it's over and a half? And half. I think a better number to put it at would be 125 because right now he's okay. sitting practically at 80 already. So, you know, I think the you know, 125 is a, is a is a number that's achievable for him somewhere in that 120-ish range. But the Mets offense has to start, <laughs> you know, giving him guys to drive in. That's that's the problem right now. And then they haven't gotten any productivity offensively from the catcher spot. And uh, third base has been issue at times for them. But look, you know, the, every team goes through these ebbs and flows. And we were just talking at the break, you know, this this torrid pace that the Braves have been on. Uh, the Buster only tweet about, you know, the, what the Braves have done over these since June 1st has just been stunning. I mean, they've been practically the best team in baseball. But eventually that kind of runs its course too. So everybody has these different runs, these different moments. I think it's ironic that, you know, the Mets, typical Mets, right? You get the Mets yep. getting Max Scherzer back and Jacob DeGrom back just in time to stop scoring runs for those two guys, which is perfect. That's quintessential Mets baseball. So there you have it, folks. You just gotta gotta love to see it. But uh, to me, that that's a more practical number in the 125 range, I think is achievable. Definitely shy of the 150 or anything close to 159, that's absurd. Matt, uh, Matt, what do you think about, what would you set this number on for Pete Alonzo RBI that would be attainable? <laughs> I mean, I, I could see where the number comes from. You're just extrapolating and then doubling, and I see all that. But yeah, I think I think in the, the one-teens is going to be far more likely because of the fact that you said, I mean, the RBI is contingent upon having someone on base. Otherwise, it's just a single or a double, you know? So, I mean, that's how you have to look at it here. So if you can have guys that get on ahead of him and you have to believe that with the deadline coming, the Mets are going to add some of those under-the-radar pieces, the guys that can get on base, you know, the, what is it, Luis Rangifos of the world and things of that nature that no one's paying attention to. All right, uh, fine, not final, fourth question. Starts the letter F regardless. Uh, if Otani wins the MVP, should he also be the AL Cy Young, Joe? Easy. Don't get us canceled with these F words. All right. If Otani <laughs> wins the AL MVP, should he also deserve the Cy Young? No, because Justin Verlander deserves it, and I'm heavily invested. Uh, but in all honesty, uh, he definitely deserves to be in the conversation. Uh, Shane McClanahan, uh, people uh, once again continue to forget, and I think that's the problem. McClanahan playing on the Rays. I'm also worried about the second half innings total as they start to mount for him a little bit. I yeah. think his first half pace was unsustainably great and great. Don't want to take away from the greatness of what McClanahan has done. But what if the Rays do drop out of it? Does he get shut down? I mean, what happens then potentially to McClanahan? That, that really hurts your Cy Young case, I think. Uh, so it's still Verlander's to lose, in my opinion. Otani definitely deserves the attention because Otani, the pitcher, has been brilliant this year. Otani, the pitcher, you could argue, has been better than Otani, the hitter. And Otani, the hitter, is pretty darn good. 
So he definitely, I think in any other year would be much closer, but because Verlander's doing what he's doing, it's a no for me, dog. It's a no for me on the Shohei Otani, uh, Cy Young and MVP. But I think next year you're going to get wagers where you can make, you know, the combo Shohei MVP Cy Young. I'd set that bad boy at like 12 to one, 15 to one. And then I would probably want to be in on that. I would, because he's just so damn good, Matt. He just is. Well, here's the thing. If Otani is the AL MVP and you voted for it, what did you vote for, the bat or the arm? And you said it. As a pitcher, he's been just as good, if not better, than the batter. So if you voted him as the MVP because of the arm, then you have to give him the Cy Young. Otherwise, your argument has no, no, no substance, no foundation. If you do it just for the bat, then I can see these two being uh, separate entities in the conversation. But that's the problem, the conundrum that Otani provides here is that no one else is doing what he does and no one else is doing it as well as he's doing it. So how can you not say he is not the most valuable? The only argument is is that if he were, his team would be better. And that's a conversation for another day. All right, question number five here, and this is great. Which team do you expect to cool down in the second half? Who do you see having some regression here, some back-to-earthedness? You know, this one hurts, but I think it's the Mariners. And that series that they got coming up with Houston, this first series against Houston they had, it's it's that measuring stick where, you know, they're going to play the A's and they're going to play some other teams. But, you know, it, I keep coming back to, all right, how are they going to measure up against the better teams? And as great of a run as they had, we talked about baseball being this game of streaks. That was their streak. If you look at this rotation outside of Robbie Ray and Logan Gilbert, it's dicey. It just is. Everything broke right for them. Julio Rodriguez is a tremendous talent. They've gotten productivity out of Winker lately, Suarez. You know, they're a good baseball team, and they're fun to watch. They're easy to root for. And Robbie Ray's been excellent for the last two months or so. But I think that at the end of the day, it's that back of the rotation that kind of hurts them. So I think Seattle's that team that kind of comes back to earth, uh, Matt, for me, and has a, a, a lesser second half. I think the Twins might also be in that conversation. I really do. I think that's a team that's more of a paper tiger in that division. I think that's why you see the White Sox number where it is. I think Vegas sees that as well. And I wouldn't count out Cleveland from that division either, Matt. Who do you think is due for a bad second half? Well, I think the Mariners are the right answer, if there is a you know a correct or a wrong answer here. So because you stated that, I can pivot to a team like the Baltimore Orioles. But here's the thing, as far as cool down or just kind of find their place, because they are, I think, the best bad team in baseball. I don't even think you can say they're a bad team anymore. You know, they can see a postseason. I don't know if they're going to get there, but they could see it in the standings if you're looking at just the numbers. So maybe it's the Orioles, a team that maybe comes back down to earth a little bit. Also, Texas has been a little hotter than they should be. They're playing over their heads with their hair on fire. Maybe they cooled down as well. All right, there you have it. When we come back, we're going to finish strong as we always do. Call in the closer for a quick one, two, three, the three things that we have our eye on next week in Major League Baseball. So stick around for that right here on SportsGrid. We'll be right back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right. 
right, welcome back into Diamond Bets. What a ride it has been. And during the break, someone may or may not have been belting out a Sinatra tune or two. And that must mean that it is time for three outs. Time for so long. Joe, three things that you're looking forward to. What do you got? Everyone would assume it was me, the Italian, but it wasn't. It was Stryker. That's who was doing it. Full Sinatra at the break, which is great. I love it. All right. Uh, I'm certainly looking forward to the Jacob deGrom debut of 2022. Oh, please. Can we get there? Maybe. Blue Jays 2.0. Turning the page from a disappointing first half of the season. Can the Blue Jays maintain a better situation here in this last 70 games or so same goes for the white Sox, and the heart of the mariners is going to get tested this week by the houston astros we're going to see if they split with the astros okay maybe they can hang i'm not so sure i also speaking of heart and dedication i want to give a shout out to our producer andrew bajigalupo who could have been having drinks last night with david ortiz and mariano rivera but instead he chose to be here running our show today so that is dedication <laughs> to the network, to us here. So I just want to say a special shout out to Bodge who, you know, gave up all of that fanfare, gave up all those moments, all those autographs that he could have gotten to spend more quality time with us, Matt. Doesn't make you feel good, warm in the cockles of your heart, right? <laughs> yes, right in that spot, exactly. Uh, all kidding aside, it says a lot about this network. Uh, Sports Grid continues to go out and, and find good talent, and it's a testament mm -hmm. to the people at the top because it all trickles down, and we take on the personality and the mindset mm -hmm. of our quote-unquote bosses. And they're not bosses. They're friends and they're fans. Uh, with that said, for the coming week, I think we're going to see more runs. We're also going to see cream rise to the top. We're going to see mm -hmm. the parity in the league start Ooh, to separate. Yeah. And you're going to see those money lines also reflect that. So start looking at run lines. Start looking at more player props. Very nice. We have a great crew here. Our graphics folks, our LTN folks, our producers, everyone does a great job. And we appreciate all of their work. Enjoy your baseball, everybody. That'll do it for us. But the story of the game goes on from Matt Stryker. I'm Joey P. We'll see you next time, kids. <laughs>